Absolutely. You'll hear a lot more about that as the day's going on. But I just right now, brothers, I want you to mark that date. I don't want to hear nobody talking about, oh, you know, I was set to go out to eat that day. No, no, brother, I don't want to hear none of that. I want none of that, brother. March the 3rd, I want all of my brothers in the place. Uh, beyond that, I, I was told I've got one job today, and what an awesome job it is. I have the grand pleasure of absolutely not introducing. There is no way in the world I'm introducing him to you all, uh, but rather uh, I, I am just uh, giving a, an introduction uh, to a very, very awesome gospel preacher, uh, a man that I respect uh, in, in, in ways beyond uh, uh, his knowledge, just his stance on the faith, uh, his wisdom here in South Florida, just uh, his presence during our uh, uh, countywide minister meetings, some of the feedback that he offers, some of the ways that he keeps things even keel. Uh, without a doubt, he loves uh, the Lord. Uh, he loves the brotherhood. Uh, he loves young people. He is uh, uh, just a pushing and driving force of the Florida State Youth Conference. Uh, he is uh, the, the awesome and very powerful gospel preacher of the Hallandale Beach Church of Christ. Uh, he is married to a phenomenal woman. I'll let him introduce. Uh, he is the parent uh, to an awesome young man and to a host of other people who see him as a, a, a righteous father figure. Uh, I have the grand pleasure of letting you all know uh, that I absolutely do not mind sitting down today and listening to a very, very capable gospel preacher. Uh, in the person of Minister Corey Glover. Y'all give him a love deposit in this place. Brother Glover, you want me to tell you what I'm going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over there and sit beside my wife, Brother Glover. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, See, every Sunday I'm up here talking to y'all, talking to y'all, talking to y'all. And, you know, I see some of y'all brothers sitting with your wives, and I'll be looking at you. I'll be a little salty. I ain't going to lie. I'll be like... Yeah, I, I, especially especially the party section, boy. Y'all y'all got y'all. This this might well be lovers' lane over here. You know, everybody all booed up over there. You know, and you know I'm up here all on my dolo. You know, just trying to make it happen. Not today, not today. Uh, today I'm gonna go sit right on down, right over there. Uh, and I have absolutely no problem because I know you are definitely in the hands of a very capable gospel preacher. I know he's gonna bless you in an awesome way. After uh, Pat does what the Lord puts on his heart to do, the next voice that you will hear uh, is Minister Corey Glover, uh, the very capable and able minister of the Hollandale Beach Church of Christ in Hollandale Beach, Florida. Hey, Amen. Let us stand as we prepare for the man of God. Let us notice page 523. Oh, yes, I'll live in glory. Five hundred twenty-three. I like to stay here longer than man's allotted. Well, and washed up. Well, of life's uneven. Well, but if my Savior calls me to that sweet home on high, I'll for you know in glory by and well, oh yes, I'll live in, I'll live in by the end. You know I'll tell and sing love, sing them there on high. Well, there with my dearie, and there is no more to you. Well, oh yes, I'll live in 
now living by the end where I want to be of service along this pilgrim well and lead them to Jesus it is as firm well as day by the day I travel I'll keep him ever well and you know who in glory oh, oh yes I live now living by the end you, you know I tell and sing love seen them there on high and you know they're with my dearie and there is no more you hello now living by the end well the end I know is nearing by faith I look up well to yonder suburb no it is the land of endless where I'll cling to him forever and look beyond the railing. You know in glory. Come on, church. Well, oh, yes, I'm living, now living by end. You know I'll tell. And sing love, seen them there on high. And you know they're with my dearie. And there is no more to you. Well, now leave him. Come on, church, y'all sound good. Oh, yes, I leave. Now living by, you know I tell, and sing love, sing them there on high, and you know they're with my dearie, and there is no more to you, hello. Living by and by. Let us all go to God in prayer together, please. Merciful Father God, we come before you this day. Humble hearts and thanksgiving on our lips, praising you for, first of all, just being our God. Father, you've been merciful to us from our existence even until this present moment, and we can't help but to say thank you for doing what you have done and for being what you have been, bringing us to this space and time in our lives where we think it not robbery to come and to serve and worship you on the Lord's Day. Father, we thank you for we do recognize and understand that we 
have not done anything to be deserving of this privilege, nor have we been good all the days of our lives. But you, Father, have been good, and you are good all the time. Dear God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for the sacrifice that was made on Calvary's cross on our behalf, and we thank you for the love that was shown toward us, your grace, your mercy, your long-suffering. We thank you, Father, for all of these things. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, which guides us even today and allows us to be in right standing with you. Father, we're grateful for your word and its power to save us. Uh, we thank you for the knowledge that you have allowed us to obtain through your word and its ability to have a resting place in our hearts and to promote change that we might be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And Father, as we stand here today and as we all come together to worship you, to give you what you deserve, we also are mindful of the man of God that you have placed in this house. And we thank you for him, and we thank you for his family. We thank you, Father, for the work that he has done and the work that he has on his heart to do in your name in this part of your vineyard. And we thank you for all of those who work with him and those who are laboring with him and those who support uh, the efforts that are being done to your glory and to your honor. And we pray, Father, that in all these things we would always seek to be so careful as not to praise ourselves. But, Father, to give you all the glory, honor, and praise that you so richly deserve. And now, Father, as we go into your word, we pray that the things that are spoken are the things that are what you would have your people to know and how we can do what we need to do to please you. And, Father, even if there is a lost one who is among us, that they may also recognize their situation and come forward, Father, today wanting to obey your gospel before it is eternally too late. We thank you for this privilege. We thank you for this opportunity. And, Father, it is our prayer that you would now remove us out of the way that your word may be seen and that your son may be glorified. It is in his name and in, by your will that we ask these and all the blessings. Let us say amen. amen. We thank this uh, great church here at the Permac Park Church of Christ for being who you are this morning. And I say that because if you don't think you're great, then no one will think you're great. Brother Smith used to say, it's a poor dog who can't wag his own tail. As I was growing up, I was trying to envision whatever that meant. Um, but as I got older, I understood what he was saying. Uh, you need to be able sometimes to encourage yourself. And Permac Park, I want to praise you today for taking the time out to encourage the man of God, but in doing so, you're also encouraging yourselves. Uh, for you must realize that God has blessed you with this man and his family to work with you during this time. Uh, you may think that they are somebody else better, uh, but I want you to understand that God has the man that he wants to be here at this time. 
sometimes we are guilty of looking at the other side of the fence. And we have heard it said that the grass isn't always greener. The truth of the matter is sometimes it is, but you just don't know how they got it that green. Uh, you're not the one paying the water bill. Uh, you're not the one fighting off the chinch bugs. Uh, and sometimes it's not even grass at all. It's artificial turf. Some of y'all will catch that next week. Uh, some of that stuff we see isn't even real. Uh, it, it's fake. It's phony. And, and, and it'll take the wisdom of God to demonstrate that to us. But we want you to uh, under, know today that we are just uh, humbled by this opportunity this morning to be in your presence. And before I get into the lesson, I do need to say this about your preacher. Um, Brother Jones is a great man of God. I really, and I say that because I really appreciate his spirit and, and his wife and the way they work together. Um, he, he I, I, I call him the praying preacher. I, and because I, I don't care what meeting we're in, Brother Jones will always be the one to say, Brother, can, can, we, can we pray? And, and I appreciate that about him because, believe it or not, preachers are supposed to be praying men of God. But, but sometimes we forget that we need to ask God to do some things uh, before we start doing some things. And Brother Jones always is Johnny on the spot and saying, Brother, can we, before we do that, can we pray? And I appreciate that about him because it, 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 sometimes we have to remind each other that we are working for the Lord and it's not about us. It's about the God that we serve, and, and I want you to know you have, you have a great man among you uh, who is doing some wonderful things and has some great plans in store for the people of God here. And I would ask that even as you listen to the lesson today, don't get mad. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to set y'all up. I, I, just... just don't, 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 you know, relax. It's going to be all right. God is good. And, and, and so even as you take this in, you know, kind of, uh, even if you can possibly do it as best as you can, empathize a little bit with, with the subject matter, and you'll, you'll understand what, what God has placed on our hearts to share with you today. Um, the, the lesson is taken from the book of Numbers. As you turn there, we'll give you time. Uh, to go to Numbers chapter 11 because we understand uh, some folk don't go to Numbers. <laughs> um, some of y'all used to play the Numbers, but... <laughs> the key word is used to. Uh, used to, used to, used to. But that's uh, Genesis, Exodus... Leviticus Numbers, fourth fourth book uh, of your Old Testament. As you uh, go there and as you stand for the reading of the Word of God, I do want to recognize my wife, uh, who's here uh, with me this morning, and, and my son, Grayson. I think my mom is here, too. Uh, they all over the place. I can't spot them all. Uh, Y'all raise your hand wherever you are. Wife? All right. Wife, you raise your hand first. Wife. That's my mom. Y'all pointing to my mom. I'm, I'm 
My wife is over there too? Okay, wife is over there. Amen. Amen. They pointing to my mom. That's my mom, y'all. I know she, she looks good. I know she looks good. <laughs> and I look old, but, I, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as old as my mother. Amen. My wife is over there. My mom is here. Amen. And we have two of our deacons that are here with us this morning. I think I saw Brother and Sister Johnson and Brother and Sister Humphrey uh, back there as well, and a couple of other members. We thank you all for coming and being here as well. If you have it, respond by saying amen. amen. Numbers chapter 11. And for the sake of the reading, let's start with verse number 10. Then Moses, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. If I have found favor in your sight and do not let me see my wretchedness, so the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you and will put the same spirit upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. Tell your neighbor he can't do it all by himself. You may be seated. Saints, the book of Numbers is the fourth in the five books of the Pentateuch that are attributed to the writing of God's prophet Moses. Numbers, it is said, is sometimes called the book of wanderings. For it is in Numbers that we find that the children of Israel should have been able to receive the promises of God in about 11 days, and instead it took them 40 years. It is here in the book of Numbers that we find several times that even Moses' leadership was challenged. His position, his anointing as the man of God uh, was not appreciated by God's people. Here we find, even in this census, that the Bible shares with us that there are about 600,000 men, not counting the women and children, of this particular congregation of God's people. Can you imagine the great responsibility that was on Moses' head at this time? Uh, the sleepless nights, the thoughts that must have been going through his head. Because even if you go back to the book of Exodus and you remember even in his selection process, uh, how he looked at things and said, God, can you choose somebody else? 
this is even before getting knee deep into the situation. He already kind of realized, I, I don't think I'm fit to do this thing. Uh, but now, church, he's in it. And he's in it up to his eyebrows. Because not only does he have some people who have come out of Egypt who understand where they've been and where they're trying to go, but he's got some other folk who didn't necessarily come with them who've been born as Johnny come latelys. And the Bible calls them mixed, a mixed generation of people. And so he's got some older folk, he's got some middle-aged folk, and he's got some young folk. And they all think differently. But he's trying to make sure that they all get to the same place. This land of promise, this land that flows with milk and honey that God has promised to them. Some of them were there when the original promises were heard and made. They, they understood God has planned this for us. But then there are those who were not there to receive the actual word from the Lord. And so they've heard it from generations past. Uh, there are those who are saying, you all have been talking about this for a while, but I haven't seen any evidence of this promise that you all are talking about. And so, in other words, you've got some wartime folk. Uh, you've got some millennial folk. You've got some Generation X folk. And they are all there together in one congregation of about two and a half million people and Moses is God's man for the time. Moses, a man who God called the meekest on earth. Uh, but let me say this while I'm talking about Moses being meek. Don't get meekness confused for weakness. Uh, because Moses was the same man who rose up and killed the man. Uh, Y'all didn't read your Bible. Sometimes we think being meek means being weak. But you got to understand he's got strength, but it's under God's control. And so the man of God has strength, but it's under God's control. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't every now and then get angry. Uh, amen. It doesn't mean that he doesn't every now and then get upset about the lack of commitment from God's people. And so God's people are now in complaining mode and they are murmuring. Amen. And so God's people uh, are, are saying every day and every night, well, we want something to eat. And not only just something to eat because God had been feeding them. But they had decided, uh, we're tired of this thing called manna. We're tired of coriander bread. We want some meat. Uh, we need some meat. A amen. They, they wanted, uh, some, some of y'all like chicken. Uh, they were tired of the biscuits, in other words. And, and now they wanted some meat. They, 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 we, we're tired of this, this bread. We understand that God has supplied this for us, but we're tired of what God has supplied for us, and we want something different. Uh, isn't it like God's people sometimes to forget that God has been blessing them the whole time in their pursuit of something different? God knows what we need before we even ask for it. But I want you to hear the words of these people. Now, if you have your Bible, I want you to follow along with me. This narrative gives insight to the mountainous challenge of Moses' leadership of God's people. Their murmuring had resulted in God raining down and consuming fire among them until Moses prayed to God on their behalf. Isn't it interesting that they were upset with Moses, but it was Moses who had to pray for him? You need to understand uh, the relevance of the man of God. 
goes beyond just him standing in the pulpit and preaching to you. He's the man that needs to be there to pray for you. He's the man that needs to be there to intervene when God is raining down challenges upon us. It is the man of God who has the close relationship with God to say, God, please have mercy on your people. Uh, some of you might remember, uh, matter of fact, in the next chapter, you might remember uh, when his brother and his sister went against him, when Miriam and Aaron went against him, and Miriam was stricken, amen, with, uh, 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 with leprosy, it was Moses who had to pray for him. And they were upset with Moses, but Moses was the one who had to pray for them. And so that the thing is, the man of God is so important in the plan of God that we should not think it robbery to pray for him. We shouldn't think it robbery to salute him for his work's sake. These people, according to Deuteronomy chapter 8, had nothing to complain about. I said they had nothing to complain about. And yet they found a reason to voice their displeasure based on the disillusion of a glorious past. They began to speak about the good old days. Now, some of y'all raise your hand if you know about the good old days. Church, they literally started saying, uh, we remember when we ate freely in Egypt. The good old days. Uh, We remember when we were in Egypt, man, we we got to eat whatever we wanted to eat. Uh, But they forgot that in Egypt, they were slaves. And if you were a slave, you didn't get to do anything freely. I wish I had a church just then. Uh, You weren't able to do anything freely. uh, But they weren't able to do anything or get anything freely. They remembered about the fish in Egypt. But they forgot about the fish that went upside their head. They remembered about the cucumbers. But they forgot about being conquered. They remembered the melons, but they forgot about having masters. They remembered eating leeks, but they forgot about the lashes. They remembered eating garlic, but they forgot about the government. They remembered the onions, but they forgot about being oppressed. Sometimes we glorify the good old days, but we forget the good old days weren't really that good. God had given them bread that they didn't have to work for. And now they were tired of not working for bread that they didn't deserve. They say, we don't want that anymore. We want some meat. They want to, not only meat, they wanted meat cooked. <laughs> Amen. They, 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 they were placing orders to God. Uh, God, just don't give me uh, meat, but give me some cooked meat. Give me some done meat. I don't want what you've been blessing me with. I want something else, and I want it my way. Now, before I get into this lesson, let me share with the saints, be careful about complaining to God about what you don't have. God has blessed you with too much for us to be complaining about what we don't have. If you remember just yesterday, you didn't have two nickels to rub together. Now you got two dimes. Thank God that you got dimes instead of nickels. Remember just yesterday, you thought nobody loved you, but now today, you have plenty of people who show you love all the time, but they're not the ones who you want to love you. Lord, make him love me. Well, maybe he just ain't the one, honey. I wish I had a church just then. Back in the day, they said, if you can't be with the one you love... I'm just trying to see where I'm at here. Yeah, they said, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. We, we go complaining to God about not having the things that we want. But when you look around, 
you have to come to a conclusion that things are so much better than they used to be. Amen. I'm looking at y'all, and I can tell things are better. You look good. Now, if you don't think you look good, then it, you look good, saints. That is indicative of the fact that God is blessing us. This mixed people now have come together, and now they've graduated from mere complaining to actually blaming God for their present condition. How many of us, and I'm just throwing it out there for you to consider, when you stop trusting in the power of God, you will start blaming him for your present situation. God put me through this. God did this to me. What, did he really? Did he really? I said to the saints all the time, if you've got a job and that job pays you, it may not be what you think you ought to get paid. But thank God that you're getting paid. Thank God that you have a job. Because there are people who are even more qualified who don't even have a job. We've got to learn how to praise God regardless of our personal circumstances. The God that we serve knows what's best for us. He knows what we need before we even ask him. And we have the nerve to go to God and say, I don't want what you've been giving me. I want something else. And church, this displeased God. But even more so, it had ill effects on God's leader. God's leader began to question whether or not he was qualified to lead. Y'all got your Bible? Moses heard these cries day and night. Moses heard the affliction of the people. The Bible actually says the mixed people started the foolishness. And so you know what that means? It started with the younger generation. Y'all don't get quiet on me. It started with the younger generation, and then it started affecting the older generation. Then the older generation started complaining. And then it got under Moses' skin to the point where God, where Moses began to beseech God. And Moses said, God, why did you put all this on me? Moses began to think it was all on him. He began to succumb to the pressure of the people. Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? Listen at that, listen at that language. Lord, why have you stricken your servant with this burden of all these people? Church, you have a good preacher, but he can't do it all by himself. You have a great man of God, but he cannot do it all by himself. Bless the Lord. He has a wonderful wife, but they too can't do it all by themselves. There needs to be some association. There needs to be some help. There needs to be some cooperation. There needs to be participation from those who are surrounding them so that the Lord's work can prosper. If he tries to do it by himself, he's going to get worn out. He's going to start feeling like Moses felt. Moses began to question his heavenly appointment. He began to complain about the complaining people. Y'all missed that. I said he began to complain about the complaining people. Lord, would you stop these people from talking? 
Lord, I'm sick and tired of them complaining all the time. I'm, I'm doing the best that I can, Lord. And yet every night and day, all I hear is they don't want this bread. They want something else. Lord, why did you put this on me? Okay. What puts him in this position? Because here's the danger I want you to see, church. If the preacher begins to feel that way, then his ministering to you becomes affected. All right, I'll look over here. Maybe some folk on this. When he begins to feel burdened by the weight of the people, it affects his ability to deliver God's word effectively. Church, if all week long he's been putting out fires, when he gets in the pulpit, what you think he coming up here with? A water hose. Y'all missed it. He's coming up here with a water hose. And you're trying to figure out, man, he ain't preaching the way he normally preaches today. The man is whipped. He's been carrying a water hose all week long, putting out this fire, putting out that fire. Your marriage in trouble. Somebody else's marriage is in trouble. The brethren ain't getting along. The sisters don't get along. And now he's supposed to preach through all of that and lift you up on the Lord's day. And we're sitting here talking about, wow, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? He was preaching mad today. I don't know what got into him. It, it, he don't normally preach like that. And now you're mad because you, you don't want to bring a visitor to hear all that dirty laundry stuff. And he's sitting up there. He, but that's what's in his spirit because he has not been able to commune with God. And it becomes too much. And I told y'all, don't get quiet. Now don't get upset. It becomes too much. And Moses begins to complain to God about the complaining people. And he begins to magnify his own responsibilities. Did y'all see that? He begins to say, Lord, these are my people. Did I beget these people? Did I birth these people? Did they come from me? Should I be carrying them in my bosom? Verse number 12. As a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their father. Lord, I know what they want, but where do I go to get what these people want? They want meat. And Lord, I don't have it. All right, saints. Tell your neighbor, what do you do when the preacher can't help you? <laughs> Whoa, somebody shouldn't say amen just then. He says, Lord. I'm frustrated. I've been trying to work with these people, and it seems like the more they get, the more they complain. And now they want something I can't even give them. Now, put yourself in Moses' shoes, because see, if they had asked for water, Moses was able to do that because God had showed them how to do it. But I want you to see what the stress of the people did to him. Instead of him realizing that the same God who showed me how to get water will also show me how to get meat, he started thinking it was up to him to figure out how to get, y'all don't, y'all didn't see it. He thought it was up to him to figure out how to get to meat. How did he get to that point? He was now stressed by the people and he started thinking it was all on his shoulders. See, the, the man of God wants to do what's right because he loves the people. 
Hello, saints. The man of God loves the people. And he wants the people to get what the people need. But he has to realize he can't do it by himself. Now, here's what he should have realized. He never was able to do it. Let me say that to some Christians because some, some, some of y'all folk out there today trying to do stuff by yourself. You were never able to do it by yourself. It was always with the help of God and through his will that you were able to do what you were able to do. But as a leader, he comes to grips with this fact. It's me and God having this conversation. God, you've got me here. What's going on? What's wrong? How can I be better? See, he's looking to be a better leader. He wants to lead these people to the promised land. But now he's stuck at a point where the people won't move because they're stiff-necked. And so he says, now, Lord, I, I need your help. I need your help. It's too hard to stabilize a stiff-necked people. It's too hard to revive a rebellious congregation. It's too hard to preach a divine word to a disengaged, disingenuous, disinterested, disillusioned, disoriented, disassociated assembly. People are insatiable. They're ungrateful. They're inconsolable. And they're incorrigible. Lord, what what, what do you have me to do? In church, God began to talk. And I like when God talks. God said, Moses, come to me. But don't come by yourself. Now, now, I need Premier Park to hear me now. Leader, come to me. But don't come by yourself. I want you to get 70 men, elders of the congregation, those who the people respect. I want you and them to come to me. Hey, Y'all got a minute? God's remedy for supplying their physical needs started with them coming to God for spiritual needs. I said sometimes we forget that. See, let me tell you what we do. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 19, we go to my God shall supply all your need according to, the rich, to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We go straight there, right? We go straight there. And we think physical stuff. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Yes. But we forget there's a spiritual element there. The first thing he said, my God. Don't miss it. My God. So there's a question. Is he my God? I said there's a question. Is he really my God? Amen. Because... If my God shall supply all my well, who is my God? Because if he isn't my God, then whoever is my God, when I begin to ask them to supply and I don't get it, it's not him. Somebody else or something else has become my God. See, there's an understanding that before I bless this people, I need to get God's men together. Now, now, let me come down here where y'all can feel me now. So he said, preacher, Moses, you come to me. But he said, now, Moses, when you come, I need you to get some men. 
for the sake of time, get seven of them. And we're going to multiply this seven times ten, and that's going to be 70. Now, he says, get these men. Amen. How, how many we got? Doc? How many we got, Moses? You got enough? All right. He's got seven of them. Amen. He's got seven. Now, now he says, now, when you come to meet me, don't come by yourself. Because, see, you're already feeling like it's only on you. Amen. But God is trying to show him you can't do it by yourself. That you need some help. So I need some men who are reputable among the congregation. Some men that the congregation respects. And I want you to bring them to me. Now watch what God does. God says, now that you have come to me, I'm going to take the spirit that's in him. And I'm going to put it in him, in him, in him, in him, in him, and in him. So now you're not the only one with the spirit that's linked up to God. You've got men who are there to help you with the work of God who have, watch it church, the same spirit. And here's the key. Here's the key. What happens, unfortunately, sometimes is we choose men who don't have the same spirit. And so what we end up having is this man's got his own agenda. He's got his own agenda. He's got his own. The preacher's got his. He might have this man who's dedicated with him, but then everybody else is going in different ways. And then you got a mess. And then you say, but we got leaders but they don't all have the same spirit. See, God said, bring them to me and I will take your spirit and I'm going to put it in all of these men so that when the congregation sees these men, they will see the same spirit that they see in Moses. Amen. Pembroke Park, do y'all see that? Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. He says, now, I've got you and I've got, watch this church. I think it's about verse 21. There were 600,000 men on foot. 600,000. Now, we think we got big congregations. Some folk. 600,000. Out of 600,000, give me 70. Now, now you mathematicians, y'all go ahead and do the ratio. In other words, the law says, I don't need everybody out front. Yeah. The Lord said, I don't need everybody out front. Amen. But who is out front, I need them to have my spirit. Let me go over here. The men who are out front need to have the same spirit as the man of God. Amen. Because what they represent is a microcosm of the congregation. So that the congregation will now follow their lead, bless the Lord, and it won't all fall on Moses because he can't do it by himself. Did y'all see it? He has a wife. Some folks act like the preacher don't have a wife. He has children. They need require attention. Say amen, Sister Jones. She wants 
some honey time. And obviously he wants. And they need time to enjoy each other. When he is able to enjoy his wife, you will see the sermons will be phenomenal. Y'all look at y'all laughing. If they are not associating correctly, amen, it's difficult to compartmentalize what's happening at home and then get up here and show out. See, the man that's led by the spirit of God, everything affects his spirit. Amen. Y'all don't feel me here. See, some guys can turn it off and on because they ain't led by the spirit. They led by the act. They're good actors. Y'all got quiet on me. You got some folk, they can, they can act it out. And so they can flip it off and on like this because that's just acting. But when you're led by the Spirit of God, everything that's happening in his life affects his spirit. And so when he and the wife are connected, he is free now to speak the truth in love because he knows he's got somebody at home that supports him 100%. Now, if his kid's out there on the street, he don't know where they are. He don't know what the wife is doing. And now he's got to come on up and try to feed the flock. It's going to be some issues. See, every now and then, those 70 have to take some stuff off of his shoulders. Because just like they want to go on vacation with their wives, guess what he wants to do? Man, why are they getting quiet on me in here? Just like you all want to take your children to Disney World, guess what he wants to do? Oh, the preacher guy, look at that. He got pictures of he in Disney World on Facebook. He's supposed to be here with us. You got your pictures on Facebook. His children can't enjoy Disney World because he's the preacher? Why are y'all getting quiet on me in here? Uh, you sure? I mean, he, he got to watch everything y'all do. Y'all all overseas and all on cruises and everything like that. That poor preacher, he still got to be here because I got to preach to y'all. And if I'm not there, the church going to shut down. No, man, there are men who are full of the spirit who ought to be able to take on some of that work so you don't have to do it all by yourself. Can't do it by himself. Bless the Lord. And I'm just talking about his family. I ain't even talking about all the other stuff he, had, he he's, he's responsible for. But just in keeping up with his family. Because, see, here's what, not you all, but the non-discerning saints, here's what they will do. They'll be the first ones to start talking about his wife and his children don't act right. I told y'all, flip over to the next chapters and you'll see what's the first thing they went after with Moses. Your wife. That's a poor. She's strange. Hey, I, I, I ain't making up that. I'm, I'm not making that up. Read your Bible. When they got tired of Moses, they said, yo, your wife. 
She's strange. Hello. She, she don't act like a first lady supposed to act. So I had to tell Hollandale, my wife is not your first lady. She's mine. Y'all, y'all missing this. I had to tell him, Brother Bernard, she's my first lady. Amen. You don't own her. I married her. Why y'all getting quiet? You, you, you don't own her. I mar- That's his bride. It's not your job to keep tabs on Sister Jones. Amen. Sister Jones went out there, got her degree and everything. Praise God. Thank, thank you for it. Amen. Well, everybody should be saying, oh, that, that's a great accomplishment. But you know, you have folk in the church. What, what she need that for? She need to be at home with them children. So he can be out here with us. I ain't talking to Pimper Party. There's some other folk that need to hear that. See, we, we have to come to the understanding that God never intended for his men to be stressed out with the work of the Lord. Y- y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying? Yes, it's demanding. Yes, it's a special calling, no doubt. Yes, there are sacrifices that are made. Plenty of them, church. Yes, God expects that of us. But God does not want, and, and some, somebody disagreed with me one day, and that's okay. And that's okay. I'll tell you when I'm talking my own personal stuff. But I personally believe that a man's ministry starts at home. I personally believe that. I've seen too many preachers go off and save the world and their families go to hell. And that makes no sense to me. Because your ministry starts in under your roof. And the man of God has to make sure that his wife and his children are walking in the paths of righteousness. Now, everybody understand, when folk get grown, they do what grown folk do. We understand that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about as they are coming up, they need to be brought up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. And if they decide to do the prodigal son thing, that's on them. But the man of God needs to be there so that his children don't have a bad reflection of the church. Too many ministers' children hate the church. Y'all heard what I said? Hate the church. Because they feel like the church took my daddy away from me. He didn't have time to spend with me, but he was at your children's basketball game. Y'all, 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 y'all see what I'm saying? He couldn't come to my graduation, but he was at everybody else's graduation. And that's how they see it. And so they grow up having resentment toward the body of Christ. But there needs to be an understanding. That man makes some choices. And the idea I want to present to you today is, brethren, sisters, let's make his choices easier. Amen? Let's make his choices easier. God gave Moses the help that he needed. And God even said in verses 23 through 25 of the text, let me hurry up. Has the Lord's arm been shortened? (laughs) God says, "I'm I'm not insufficient. 
I have all sufficiency and I can supply all of your needs. I can make sure your bills get paid. I can make sure you go to work. But I do need you to understand that there are things that you must do and must share the responsibility so that the congregation's needs are met. Now, here is what it says, church, to us. It's too hard for the man of God to pay his bills, go to work, train up the children, satisfy his spouse, take care of his parents, take care of his own health, consider his obligations to the church, go to your graduation, go to your courthouse, go to your divorce proceedings, help counsel you, help counsel your children, help you through sickness, preach your funeral, help you through death help your betrayal, help your disobedient children, help your troubled loved ones, carry the burdens of the church, have cantankerous Christians, um, counsel missing and malcontent members. It's too much to have him out there trying to fix your car, amen, trying to pick you up for church trying to take you to the hospital, trying to make sure that your bills get paid, trying to help your financial situation, trying to do the benevolence, trying to do the evangelism, trying to do the edification. Amen. I ain't even finished yet. It's too much for him to try to do all that. And then he's got to come. He's got to preach and teach Sunday school. He's got to preach worship service. Sometime if ain't nobody else here, he has to lead the song. He has to lead the prayer. And if he's not the one that's got to lead it, he's got to choose the brethren to do it because the brethren who are supposed to do it aren't here in place bless the Lord. And then he's got to reprove. He's got to rebuke. He's got to resort, uh, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. He's got to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. He's got to be watchful, endure affliction, do the work of the evangelist, love the Lord, sacrifice his time, minister the word, edify the saints, pray for you, prepare for you, serve you a great meal every Lord's day. And then you want him to be on fire each and every Sunday. And if he's not, we want to get rid of him. He ain't effective. Well, do we help him be effective? Are we helping him to be effective? Let me, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. Don't take it personally. Take the bitter with the sweet, easy come, easy go. Do you even pray for the man of God? Do you, when you bring a visitor, do you pray for the man of God that what he says will prick the visitor's heart. I'm not talking about the hard stuff. Right? The simple stuff now. Because if he preaches and the visitor doesn't respond, it's his fault. But, but did, you, did you prepare the visitor for the message? Saints. I told this story a while ago. We had, uh, this happened some time ago. We, we had one of those family days, told everybody, invite somebody. And uh, Brother Jones, we're preaching one of those good old, you know, Church of Christ sermons. One church, you know, hitting it hard, you know. And uh, years later, a lady comes to me and she says, uh, Pastor Glover, you're a pretty good guy. I said, oh, thank you. <laughs> and she said, but I came to your church. And she said, and I thought you were mean. I said, really? I said, what happened? And she said, well, somebody invited us, and, and we came, and, and you were talking about one church, man. And, and I walked out of there, and I, 
I felt so low. I said, well, did I say anything that wasn't in the Bible? And she said, no, 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 no. Everything you said was, was in the Bible. But I felt low. And then I asked the person that invited me, and she said she didn't know why you were preaching like that. Now, let me tell you all. I flipped from that to who invited And I had to catch myself and bring it back to case in point. And I said, well, you know, it was, it was a doctrinal sermon. You understand the difference between doctrine and, and, you know, and tradition and blah, blah. And she said, no, 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 I get it. I get it. She said, and being on this, it was, I was on a community board. And she said, being on this board with you, I see you're a really nice person. You're a really good. I said, yeah, we didn't mean any harm by it. I said, but if I said anything that wasn't in the Bible, then I would hope that you would bring it to me. She said, no, no, no. It was all in the Bible and everything. And I, and I respect what you all believe. I appreciate that. And so I said, good. And now back to this person that invited you. Because <laughs> what I was trying to get to was the person who invited you should have prepared you. Y'all don't see it. I'm talking about helping the preacher do his job. They should have prepared you for what was going to be spoken and even after the fact should not have said, I don't know what got in him as if that was something strange. Y'all see me, church? See, we can be working against the ministry and don't even realize it, but then blame the minister for the church not growing. And we are not doing our part. See, he's not the only one called to evangelize. Saints. We all have to have that spirit of testifying to somebody, witnessing to somebody about Jesus. And by the time they get here, prayerfully, you prime them. And what you want the preacher to do is close the deal. They got, they got quiet on me. Let me tell you something. In 30, 45, even 60 minutes, a preacher cannot hit everybody. Y'all hear what I said? He can't hit everybody's situation in one setting. That's impossible. And y'all ain't going to stay here from sunup to sundown. So, so, so what, what you're trying to do is to make sure that the man of God is so in tune with the needs of the congregation that those needs are being met so that when they come here, what you receive is the word of God. What Moses really should have been about instead of trying to feed people, amen, not that that was beneath him, but instead of trying to satiate their physical needs, it should have been about explaining to them the word of God and what God would have them do. And this church is what caused them to mess around and miss their blessing for 40 years. 40 years. Now, I don't know about you. But I do not want to wander anywhere and not make progress for 40 years. What does it take? It takes people understanding the man of God cannot do it all by himself. Let, let, let me close with this. The, the man of God needs 
some rest. Oh, boy. I don't know if they received that one. Let me say it again. Man of God <laughs> needs some rest. He needs some meditation time. Brother Jones could probably testify to this. Some of the best stuff, quote unquote, that you can come up with in your personal study is when you're not even looking for it. Y'all all right? I say when you're not looking for it. You might be thinking of something else and you read a passage and it's because when the spirit is working with you, the light bulb comes on. And it can be something that you've read over and over and over, but that particular time, the spirit is operating. And you say, oh, wow, that's, that's good right there. That's a good point. And it blesses him. And he, in turn, wants to take that blessing and then bless you. Now, he can do that if he doesn't have other arrows coming at him between the time he gets blessed and the time he wants to bless you. Some, some folk, they, they, I don't know who's going to accept this. Some folk don't understand why the preacher wants to go in his office between Sunday school and worship. You know why? Because some folk don't understand that he's trying to get his mind right. And they will come between Sunday school and worship. Brother John, this week, they about to turn my lights off. Brother John, I need you to talk to my husband because he ain't acting right. Brother Jones, I don't know what you're preaching on today, but can you say something about a uh, man being the head of his wife? And if he stays out here among us, his thoughts are so convoluted that he has to pray before he starts preaching that the Lord will clear all of that stuff out of his mind so he can focus on what he's actually prepared for the saints. See, what, what are you saying, preacher? What I'm saying is respect his time. Simply put. Yeah, he, he, he's available, he's accessible, but just respect the time, right? Y'all follow what I'm saying? I hope y'all getting this. Don't get mad at me. Just respect the office for his work's sake. Listen, I didn't, I didn't plan today to get into what all his role is, because prayerfully you understand that. But if you want the preacher to really flourish. And here's why I'm saying this. Because, and I said this to somebody a while ago. I said, look, man, when you go off, we go to any lectureship, you know what they ask me? They don't ask who is your song leader. You say, I'm from the Pimmel Park Church of Christ. They don't say, oh, who, who, who your deacon down there? 
You know what they ask you? Who's your preacher? They want to know who your preacher is. And you want to be able to say proudly, Brother Kevin Jones. And if you can speak about your preacher with pride and don't have to hide and mumble, you ought to be thanking God. Some folk, you say, Well, we in transition right now. Um, but filling in every now and then is brother. When you know that he stands on the word of God, that he is faithful to the church, the Lord, and his family, he's not bringing you all to an open shame. He ain't got stuff all in and on the news. Uh, amen. And folk understand he's respectable and he's honored in the community. And by the church here, you ought to be thanking God we have a great man like this. And since God has blessed us this way, let's bless him. Let's bless him. Amen. Because, see, it doesn't take anything away from you to bless God's man. And let me say this, too. Bless his wife, too. Amen. Bless his wife, too. Saints, there's, there's nothing wrong with, 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 with Sister Sands. Sister Jones, here goes a little something. Get your nails done. Would you turn it down, Sister Jones? All right, thank you. There's nothing wrong with you thinking about them when you're doing your thing, when you're doing your stuff, because I want you to understand, they're always thinking about you. A, a, a preacher worth his salt is always thinking about the people, the congregation, what he can do to make the congregation better, what he can do to advance the cause of Christ, what can he do uh, even as he's reviewing what has been done. He's trying to assess whether or not that's still effective or do we need to change things. A lot. That's always on his mind. Let me tell you something. It's hard to even get a good night's sleep because your mind is constantly doing this, trying to think what can be done better. And so he's motivated by his love for the Lord to make you a better people. Amen. So watch this. As he stands in the gap between you and Jesus Christ and the Godhead, you want him to be in position to be able to pray. Amen? You want him to be in position to be able to intercede on your behalf. You want him to be able every now and then, if he has to, to stop doing what he's doing and pray with you right then and right there. Amen? Now, what am I saying to you? If you look at the pattern of Jesus, if you look at the pattern of Jesus, the closest man to Jesus, y'all about to go to sleep on me, should be your preacher. Now, if you don't think that's heavy, y'all looking at me, church? That's a heavy responsibility. That's a heavy responsibility because you got to consider he's still a man. He doesn't do everything right, but he has the heart for God. And even when he feels that he has failed, he's the hardest person on himself. 
Amen. Trying to figure out what, what went wrong with that. Why didn't that go the way? And every now and then, he has to step back like Moses and realize I can't do it by myself. Just maybe that wasn't in the providence of God for that to happen at this point. And then realize if I can help one person. Amen, saints. If I can help one person, then I'm doing what God has commanded me to do. Now, consider this. Those of you who are not members of the Lord's church, I want you to realize something. Jesus, Jesus left men in place to carry on his work. He prepared men to carry on his work. One such man was Peter. And I want you to see something in Peter. And I, and I love him uh, using him in this vein because Peter was outspoken. Peter was every now and then upbraided. But one thing Peter had that other guys didn't have, Peter had enough faith to try it. Y'all remember when everybody was in the ship and it was about the fourth watch of the night and they thought they saw a ghost. Jesus said, it's me. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, let me come. And the wind is boisterous. Sea is raging and it's raining and everything and storming. And Peter got out of the ship and began to walk to Jesus. And the thing is, he walked on water. Now, I don't know how long he walked on water, but, uh, but, but he walked on water. Nobody else can make that claim. Now, we'll knock him down. Oh, but he sunk. That's y'all negative thinking, folk. But consider, he had to be out there on the water in order to sink. And when they got back on the ship, Jesus said, Oh, ye of little faith, talking directly to Peter. See there? He had little faith. But now let me ask you, if he had a little bit, what about all the mother boys in the boat that never got out of the ship? If Peter had a little bit and it let him walk on water, then that means those other fellas had. Y'all got me? See, here's the thing we got to recognize. The Lord does not require us to be perfect as we define perfection. He does not require the man of God to be perfect. He requires him to strive for perfection. And so don't, don't, don't sit there and nitpick him. Oh, he didn't say that right. That was the wrong scripture. Some of us, boy, we, we hard. And we've never stood before even two people. So I got my glasses off so I can't see any of you clearly. We've never even tried to teach a Sunday school class, but we want to tell the preacher how to preach. Help him. Amen. Support him. Because when other folk come in here, Visitors come in here, they are watching how you react to your preaching. Some folk won't obey the gospel because of how we have traditionally treated our preachers in the Lord's church. Because where they come from, I ain't got to tell y'all what they do, where they come from. And then we get here, he ain't nobody, he's just a man like me. 
put his britches on one leg at a time, just like me. I told the church at home, I said, the difference is when he put his britches on, he going to visit the sick. What you doing? He's putting his on at 3 o'clock in the morning when somebody has passed away. What you doing at 3 o'clock in the morning? Hello? And so we got to get out of this whole, you know, he's just a man like me stuff. He is a servant of the Most High God. Amen? Amen. He's a servant of the Most High God, and the way you treat him, God respects that. And if you mistreat him, God sees that too. And God will deal with us if we start mistreating the man of God. But let me end on this. Those of you who are guilty distance away from Jesus, I want to encourage you to come back by way of repentance, confession, and prayer. If you're out there today and you just, I, you know, preach, I just need to be a better encourager of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I understand the importance of what this man is doing. Listen, church, uh, you've heard it said. Uh, you probably heard folks say it, you know, when, when, when presidents walk in and everybody stands up and they have, you know, the fanfare and the music and everything going and everybody stands and all of that good stuff. And, and then we look at, at the preacher and folk go to sleep and uh, folks start yawning and, and everything. And, and, and you, know, you know how it is, bro. You know, we, we have a good song service and everybody stands up and everybody's excited and everybody's happy. And then as soon as the man called the first scripture. And then, and then some of us have that internal alarm clock. We know we, something in our spirit hears and in closing. So y'all don't see what we see up here. Some, some folk got it set just like that as soon as they hear in closing. And we devalue the importance of the man of God delivering to us what the Lord is saying. I want us to understand, church family, it's so important. His role is so important. Brothers, work with him. I say it again. Brothers, work with him. If he's doing the will of God, work with him. Don't work against him. Work with him. Amen. And the congregation will see Man, they're they working with, they supporting them. And let me tell you, when you do that, you can keep the devil at bay. Y'all missed this? Let's stand. Let me tell you what I mean by that, and then we'll sing. Lord's will, if we see it, tonight there's a big game going on, and y'all y'all know about it. And, and the, the, the most amazing thing is how much credit Tom Brady gets, right? And right now he's getting all the credit because he's been basically the constant, you know, behind this dynasty that the Patriots have created. But one stat that stood out to me, brethren, was the man hasn't been sacked in the playoffs. This entire playoff run, he has yet to be sacked, which tells me the real story, even though he's great, the real story is the men. Yes, sir. Oh, Y'all don't miss it. Right. Yes, sir. Good the man. real story is the men who are blocking for him. Yeah. See, for the preacher to really 
be great and for the church to really stand out. He's got to have some men who don't mind blocking for him. Y'all feel me? In other words, every little bit of issue don't need to cloud his judgment. There ought to be some men who can handle some of that stuff so that the preacher is clean. They, don't, they didn't see it. When Brady is finished, he still smells like cologne. His jersey is clean. Looked like he didn't even play. Barely broke a sweat. Hair still together. Everybody else is dirty. Everybody else is sweaty. But Brady is able to talk and smile because he hasn't been touched all night long. Look at your preacher. Don't make him get up here looking raggedy, looking hurt, looking disgusted, looking like he's been thrown to the ground ten times. You want him to look good. You want folk to say, man, he don't look like he's been through anything. That ain't the truth. He has his own burdens. Amen. But man, if he can look like a lot of these burdens have been lifted off of him, and there are those who are helping him carry those burdens, he can do a tremendous job. And I want to say, in his case, continue to do a tremendous job because he's done a great job, church. Amen. He's done a great job. And the reason he's been able to do it is because the Lord put him here at this time. Amen. Whole lot of people could have been here. Yes, sir. Amen. Whole lot of people could have been here. Amen. Whole lot of people wanted to be here. A lot of y'all don't know that. Whole lot of people all over, man. What about that church down there in Pembroke? Don't they need somebody? Don't they need somebody? Don't they need somebody? They don't need you. Amen. I, I'm sorry. I'm just direct like that. I don't mind telling you. No, 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 no. I don't think you need to come to South Florida. You already got some baggage. You don't need to be down here, Doc. You're too close to South Beach with your reputation. So you got to understand, everybody who can put a message in. And so when you have a good man like that, you need to praise God for him. Amen. And bless the church by inviting folk to come and hear the man of God, hear the word of God being preached. And you will see the church will continue to grow, will prosper, and you as an individual, being a part of God's people, will also reap the benefits. Amen? Amen. Read the rest of that story and you will find they got what they wanted. They got the quail. Amen. But some of them choked. Read the rest of it. Amen. The folk who didn't know how to handle it, they choked on it. So you got to be careful what you ask for and be thankful for what God gives you. Let us sing the song of encouragement. If you need to come to Jesus, come right now. Time is filled with swift transition. No heart of earth unmoved can stand. Believe your hopes on things eternal. No, it hold to my God's son. Changing and everybody ought to hold to it. Just hold on to my God's 
changing, and everybody ought to hold to his hand. Just hold on to my God's unchanging hand. You ought to be all your hopes, something eternal. precious souls who responded to the Lord's invitation. They have something in their heart they want to share to the congregation. If you have fallen short and acknowledge that you have sinned, and you want to make it right with the Lord, you may acknowledge by raising your hand and saying yes. Let us go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Let us join hands. Most gracious God and Heavenly Father, once again we come before your throne of grace. Lord, just to thank you for all you've done for us, all you're doing right now, and all you will continue to do for us, we thank you. 
Father, you've been mighty good to us. You've been better to us than we have to ourselves. We just thank you for the word of God. Thank you so much for the word that had been brought to us this morning for your servant, brother, uh, uh, who have brought your word to us this morning, brother, brother Grubber. Uh, thank you for him. Thank you for his family. Continue to be with his family. Bless his family. Bless his congregation. Yes. Those who have came down here with him, too, to hear him speak. We thank you for them, Father. We thank you for these precious souls who said they have fallen short of your glory. And they want to make it right with you, Father, because we know that we can't see your face in peace if we're not ready to have lived according to your will, Father. We ask you to please forgive them. Throw those sins in the sea of forgiveness. Remember them no more in this world and the world to come. We thank you for loving us, Father. We pray for those who had a need to come. They didn't come. But pray, Lord, that you would fed them the space of time that they need to make to get it right with you so they also will be able to save their soul. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Let us all say amen. Let the church say amen again. Amen. What a word, what a word on this morning. Amen. Amen. We can, let's give a love deposit to Brother Glover. It is, it is definitely our prayer that we don't just leave this place today saying what a word we heard, but it is our prayer that you have been transformed by the word uh, uh, and that you will do a better job. If you haven't been helping to make the preacher's load lighter, prayerfully you'll, you will leave today uh, making up uh, in your mind that you're going to do just that uh, so the preacher doesn't have to do it by himself. Amen. I stand before you to read the prayer request. I ask that when your name is called, you please uh, raise your hand or stand that the church may acknowledge you. Uh, Sister Irene Howard, as well as Jalea Jones, they're coming and requesting prayers on behalf of Sister Iva Hamilton, who is in the hospital at this time. So let's uh, please pray for Sister Iva and also prayers for Sister Linda Webb as well. Uh, Brother Britt comes requesting prayers for himself and family for spiritual strength. He's thanking God uh, for being his savior from his sins. Sister Britt requesting prayers for spiritual strength. Uh, Royston Small requesting prayers for uh, themselves for, for health. Uh, it says he recently had a stroke is in, in, and is in the hospital, uh, so praying at, at this time. Uh, Patricia Liverpool requesting prayers for traveling grace and health. She's asking that we bless her mother, her five children, uh, and her mom will be taking care of the kids while uh, uh, she's having surgery. Uh, Gordon Shinda requesting prayers for uh, spiritual strength. Sister Fairclaw requesting prayers for family for traveling grace. She's also requesting prayers on behalf of Danny Houston and his mother. Says uh, they met on this morning and he asked for prayer. Uh, Sister Irene Hansford requesting prayers for her husband and children for guidance. Sister Clayton requesting prayers for herself and family for traveling uh, grace and health. Uh, it says please, uh, please pray for my health uh, and for my children and my grandchildren who are traveling on today. Sister Frazier requesting prayers on behalf of, of her uh, on, on behalf of her family for spiritual strength and praying that God will heal her husband's body. Sister Margaret Francis requesting prayers for herself and family for spiritual strength and job. Uh, Sister Joseph requesting prayers for herself and family for spiritual strength, good health, and, pr and asking that we pray for Denzel, Delroy, and, and Alfred. Vivian Stanley requesting prayers for traveling grace. 
Sister Jenny comes to question prayers for herself, family, and friends. Uh, she's asking that we pray for her sister uh, for while she's at work and at school. Sister Charlene Clark requesting prayers for uh, uh, spiritual strength. She's asking that we uh, pray for all the inmates in the Blinn Federal Bureau Prison. And Clody jo Jocelyn is requesting prayers for her father with spiritual strength and health. Uh, Crystal, her, her daughter, to, to overcome being, being bullied in her last year of high school. And prayers for Sean to focus. These are, and I'm and I'll be definitely remiss if I didn't say this. I want to thank God for allowing my baby girl, Addie, uh, to see five years of life today. Amen. My baby girl. Boy, boy these kids growing up so fast. I, t I, t <laughs> I say, Sister, Sister Brinson must be getting old. She got grandchildren that's old. <laughs> Let us, <laughs> let us all go to our Heavenly Father in a word of prayer. Father God, we once again come before thy throne with our heads bowed and our hearts humbled. Father, we come joyous for the word that we had uh, preached unto our hearing, Father. Father, it stirred up each and every one of us to want to do better, Father. Uh, help us to write that word on the uh, tables of our hearts, Father God. Help us, help it to take up root within our heart and help us to be a better Christian, Father God. Help us to look out for the man that you have placed here, Father God. Help us to do whatever, uh, whatever is in our power to make his load lighter, Father. Whether it be cooking the meal, Father, uh, uh, coming to cut his grass for him, whatever it is, Father, help us to just do our level best to take care of the angel that you have placed here, Father God, uh, because he has truly been a blessing over these five years. And Father, we want to take care of him and hold on to him as long as you would have us, Father God. So I just pray that you just bless his body with strength, crown his head with wisdom, Father, that he can continue to lead this church to a higher mark, which is in Christ Jesus. Father, I ask you to bless Brother Glover, Father. Thank you for allowing him to just preach that powerful word on today, Father. Father, I just pray that you continue to bless his, his church, Father God. Bless his elders, bless his deacons, bless his uh, membership, Father God. Bless, bless his family, Father. Help them to work together, Father, so they can take your church to a higher mark, which is in Christ Jesus. Father, many people made prayer requests on this morning. Father, you know what they stand in need of before they knew it themselves, Father. I ask that you just bless them the way that they need to be blessed, Father. I just pray that you bring comfort to the ones who are going through the hour of bereavement, Father. Uh, uh, bring uh, ease of pain to the ones who are going through their sicknesses, Father God. I just pray that you look down upon us and just bless us all the way that we need to be blessed, Father. I just pray that you continue to watch over us and keep us for us. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. At this time, let's prepare for the Lord's Supper. Uh, we ask everyone to fill out an attendance card. Our visitors, there's uh, cards in the back of the pews. And we ask everyone to fill those out uh, this morning. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. 
pains we bear. Oh, because we do not care. to God in prayer. brothers and sisters and our visiting friends, we at the Church of Christ observe and partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. The Lord wants us to remember that cruel death that he died on the cross for all of our sins. Now he not only wants us to remember, he wants us to be faithful to him. Acts 27 upon the first day of the week when the Sabbaths came together, they came together to break bread and we know the Apostle Paul preached that day as well. And also the Apostle Paul instructs us in a manner in which we should be taking the Lord's Supper. First Corinthians, the 11th chapter, beginning at the 23rd verse, and it reads, For I receive of the Lord that which also I deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which would betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he breaking and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do and remember some men. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he come. Wherefore, who shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. So let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation of himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause men are weak and sickly among you, and many are asleep. Let us pray. Dear kind Heavenly Father, we kindly thank thee for giving us the opportunity to take the bread and the cup, which is your body. And we pray, dear Heavenly Father, that as we take it, that we may do so in a manner that would be pleasing and acceptable to thee. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. I'll be reading to you Mark, the 15th chapter. Immediately in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the, Jesus, the, king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, It is as you say. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you? But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. There was one named Barabbas who was chained with his 
fellow rebels. They had committed murder in rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that they should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him, whom you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out, Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had been scourged him to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called the Praetorium. They called together the whole garrison, and they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. and began to salute him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck him with a reed and spit on him. Bowing the knee, they mocked him and worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took him, they took the purple off him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to be crucified. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon, a, a Cyrenian, uh, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. And they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And his inscription of his accusation was written, The King of the Jews. With him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right, the other on his left, so that the scripture was fulfilled and he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroyed the temple and build it in three days, save yourself, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves with scribes and said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may believe, see, and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Elah, Elah, lama sabachthani which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he's calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed, offered it him to drink, saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and take him down. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that, he cried out 
like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man.